the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven on earth. Wesley had got it. Now, of course, Wesley had planted and there's buildings all over, but his legacy was not buildings. His legacy was people. Communities of people that have been radically changed by the power of God. I'm sorry I'm so excited and you look so miserable, but I can't help myself. This is what I'm talking about. Legacy. Building a legacy. I want to think back to those people in my formative years who've left an indelible mark on me for good. They weren't the brightest. They weren't the richest. But I can think of people who have left an indelible mark on me. I can think of one or two school teachers who were very unkind to me, but I can think of one or two teachers who were very kind to me. And they were very kind and they've left a mark on me. I could even mention the names. I still remember the names. I was probably only five or six, but I can still remember them. I can still remember some Christians in churches. Some of them were a bit rude and I saw them at their worst, even though they were shabba-dabba-doing all over the place, but I didn't see much of the life of Christ and the fruit of the Spirit in them, I'm sorry. But I could also think of some people who were really godly. And they left a mark on me as 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 a youngster. I can think of some ministers who still continue to leave a mark on my life. I can think of guys in here who are leaving a mark on my life. Because the way that you live your life, we've just, it's not me going all sorrowful, but the reality is we've, we've just buried three wonderful people in the last six months. Jim Biggin, Pastor Colin Whitaker, and the beautiful Isla Cooper. <laughs> all of them have left a mark on me. They really have. And they've left a legacy. Because they planted something in people. Their legacy is not buildings. Their legacies are not their, their, their inheritance for the kids. That's not. It's how they lived their lives. So question. Who is there? I want you to write this down if you've got notes. Who is there because you have invested in them? Who is there? And who will be there? I'm pointing to the skies. I'm talking about the heavens. Who will be there? Because you invested in them. I do want to, don't, don't want to jump too far, but I have to say, you know, you could say, well, that's your job to build a legacy. No, it's not. It's all of our jobs. It's all of our responsibilities. And everyone can do that. Not just the guy who's on the platform speaking, but just the way that we live our lives. I want to tell you, some of you have an incredible opportunity to leave such a legacy where you are in your neighborhoods, in this church. Some of you get the opportunity to serve teas and coffees and you do it so beautifully. And you need to know that the way that you serve those teas and coffees and the way that you speak to people and the way that you act and react is a blessing to people. And you are laying something in them. Some people in their darkest hour have walked into this church. They've been miserable. I dare say some people have even been suicidal. But just for a kind word, it has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with these guys on there. Just that somebody's showed some kindness. Love them. Encourage them. I tell you, you've left a mark. Let's keep leaving a mark on people's lives. Can I hear an amen? So who are we investing in? And who is going to be your legacy? Who is going to be your legacy? 
Who is going to be your, not what is going to be, who is going to be your legacy? Now I want to say that's the principle of this thinking. I want to in a moment get to the practice of just some things that I think that can help us. But before I do that, I just want to fire a shot across us. Because I think it's very, very important for us to understand this. Because there are numbers of red herrings. There are numbers of cul-de-sacs. The thief called God that takes away the promise of greater. They're called distractions. We can easily, all of us can become easily distracted from the true purpose of what we are meant to do. And the true purpose, as I say again, is people. And we can easily become distracted by things at the present time in our movement. And I feel at liberty to be able to say that because there have been some moves and and, and changes and whatever. We are in danger in our movement of churches of being seriously distracted. They asked me to to just pray for it. They just landed it on me on Tuesday night. And I thought, well, what do I share, share into this? But immediately I just felt quickened and I just said to the guys, I said, we must not lose. I don't, I don't know whether people got it, but we must not lose the purpose of what we're here for, which is to rescue men and women who were broken, who were abandoned. It's easily for us to get distracted by lots of so-called good things, but actually... What we're called to do is reach out to those in our neighbourhoods, those in your network of friends, those who you work with, and endeavour by God's grace to just lead them into something, to leave a deposit in their heart of goodness, of kindness. And you may not be the one who leads them through, but as a result of them coming into contact with Roland, five years later, whoever's come into contact with Roland said there was this kind man, and this now all makes sense because somebody's now talking to them about the Lord. And actually what Roland was talking to about me now makes sense. It's not always that time, but we have to make the most of every time. Are you hearing me? So we must beware of red herrings. Anyway, let's get into the thought of how do we leave a legacy very quickly. These are very simple. As I've really saw in my heart, because it's always the case with me, very simple, not complicated, hopefully inspirational and also instructional. But the first thing I want to say is I think we can leave a legacy by praying. Yeah. I'm not going to re- regurgitate what I shared on Sunday, but I do want to say a few things that are different. First of all, your prayers do not have an expiry date. There's food that we can have and as an expiry date. And anybody ever just throw caution and you think, oh, stuff that I'm still having it anyway. Anybody ever done that? Yeah, you just think, I've got, this is some, down it goes, okay. Now there are some things we mustn't touch if that, you know, dairy products and fresh meats and all that. But, you know, the majority of the time you're all right. But our prayers, they don't have an expiry date on them. I want to encourage some of you who are longing for your sons and daughters to return to Jesus and they're no longer, they're no longer in the faith, they've turned away. I want to encourage you, keep praying because your prayers don't have an expiry date. By the way, Isla Cooper and Pastor Colin Whitaker and Jim Biggin, all of them, interestingly, were prayers. And you couldn't get away, I mean, you couldn't get a word in, in, in edgeways with Isla, could you? I mean, when she started, she's, I'm not being, you know, but it's true, she just was off. And I, I want to tell you, every one of her prayers has been gathered before God has heard them. 
I really believe that with all my every prayer that you are praying in the will of God, God is hearing. Even if you've not seen it, our prayers do not have an expiry date on them. And oftentimes we can stop from praying because we think nothing's happening and we need to keep persisting in prayer. The thought this morning was with prayer is like a battering ram. We've got to keep battering that door down. Anybody with me tonight? Keep battering it down in prayer to leave a legacy wherever we are, with our family, with our friends, in the context of where we live. You know, we are building on the prayers of people who have gone before us. There have been many people who are sowing in tears. I am quick to acknowledge that when people are saying, isn't it great what's happening in Arena Church? It is. We're not ripping up any trees, but we're seeing people come to faith. There's ministries that are expanding. You know, there's great things that are happening. But I am always, always in my heart saying, God, this is a result of, from 1929, I believe this church was started. There was people who prayed in 1929. And we are building on their prayers. There's been many faithful leaders who have sought God, who have labored hard. Some of them might have just, you know, wandered a little bit here, there and everywhere. But I want to say at the, at the heart of it, there was a heart to see God do something amazing. We must always honor the past because we are building on the prayers that have gone before us. You know, many people have sowed in tears and we're now reaping in joy. <laughs> One of the largest churches in North America at this moment, and it really is going a bomb. There's, there's now almost 60,000 people in the life of this church. Amazing, eh? Over 16 campuses, and it's 16 years old. But I heard this leader say, and they're, they're literally seeing thousands of people come to faith, baptizing thousands. So it's not transfer. It's just remarkable what God is doing. And he just says, you know what? I've walked into this place and I have just, I'm building on the prayers that have gone before me. Because where he is, you know where he went, it's in Birmingham, Alabama. And anybody who knows their uh, American history knows that that was where there was deep racial rioting and trouble. It's where the heart of it. And in the midst of that, there were people who were praying, calling out to God for his favour, for him to do something amazing in that community, for him to do something amazing in that city. And he says, you know what? 16 years ago, we pitched up, we came in. Yeah, we've done some things right, but we're just walking. We're just building on the prayers of people that have gone before us. And in some ways, we're doing a little bit of that in a much smaller measure. What I'm trying to say to you is thank God for what you're doing. But may we never forget the prayers that have been prayed. You know, we need to pray bold, legacy-fueled prayers. Mark Batterson says this, bold prayers honour God because God honours bold prayers. And we must persist in prayer if we are to build a legacy. You know, we have a desire here at Arena, I'm going to move it on in a moment, to grow. We've been praying into that. But not through the transfer of people. And there's been people who've recently transferred from other churches. And I've met with numbers of you. And I understand the reasons why. And we've blessed you. We've accepted you. And there's been a genuine part of it. But I want to say, that is not what we believe in God for. We recognize there are people who need to come and help us. Train soldiers. God is sending to us. But I want to tell you, we believe in by God's grace that we're going to build on the people of this back row. Excluding Ron, James, Don, Len. Have all recently, over a number of months, 
given their lives to Jesus Christ. Yeah, just look around at them and embarrass them for a minute. Seriously, if you're here and you're new to faith, that's what we're believing God for. Are you had enough of me, Alex? Yeah, I understand. God bless you. I understand. I understand. We really want to believe that Arena Church is building a legacy, not of the largest church. We just or the or the biggest church. What we wanted to do is transform a community. Transform communities. (laughs) You know, time spent in prayer is never, ever wasted. That's first thing. Secondly, I want to say that I believe it's important if we want to be committed as a church and as a group of people to build a legacy. And I hope you are convinced about this legacy building. That I think we do that through generosity. There's three areas that I just want to quickly work on. First of all, generosity of our time. How we spend our time. Who we spend our time with. I was thinking about some of you who've got young children at the moment. This happened on Saturday and I was just thinking to myself, I wonder if I spent enough time playing with my kids, piggybacking with them. I wonder if I spent enough time just mucking around with them. Because my kids are now at a point where they're piggybacking me, never mind me, me piggybacking them. You know, this is one thing we'll never get back. I don't want to be all, but that's it. You'll never get time back. If you lose some money, you can probably gain some more money back. Even influence you can get back. But you'll never get time back. And I think we need to be generous with our time. Let me just talk for a moment, particularly with those who have children here. Because I think it's really, really important that we understand where the greatest legacy that we can lead, uh, leave. I actually think the greatest legacy that we can leave is with our children. And whilst I love you guys, and I'm just sharing my heart, first Tuesdays is an opportunity to lay in a message, but also to share my heart. I absolutely, I hope you know that. I love you guys. I pray for you guys. Caroline and I and the family are committed to you guys. You have a wonderful staff and eldership that love you. But you, you are not my main priority. My wife and children are. I just want to clear that up if anybody needed any clarification. Because I never want to be at the point we have no guarantees over our children. We don't. You can do all that you can and you pray for them and they they have to make their own choices. I get that. But I tell you what, I want to do everything I can to make it as easy as possible for them to follow Jesus for themselves. And I want to leave a legacy with my kids. I want to leave a legacy with my wife. I want to be, you to be able to look on. I know some of you at times have thought we're perfect. We ain't perfect. You know that now. We don't have angels river dancing over. In fact, come and Jonathan will tell you, come and have a meal with us and you'll see how it all gets really tasty and feisty. I mean, I have a house full of women. I mean, they're all, they've all got an opinion. They're all, they're all at it. But what is the point in me, and if we was to build a great church and yet we've lost our kids, we've lost our family, my, my marriage is a mess. What is the point of that? Billy Graham said this, the greatest legacy one can pass on, and this is a man who knows about legacy, to one's, the greatest legacy one can pass on to one's children and grandchildren is not money or other material things accumulated in one's life, but rather a legacy of character and faith. 
you know, one of the things that I've been keen to do, and I think we need to do it with new Christians, and I think we need to do it with kids and grandkids. Some of you bring your grandkids, and it's beautiful. It really gladdens my heart to see many of you bringing your grandchildren to church. Because what we want to do is we want to show people the beauty of the church. There is a joy in serving Jesus. I was recently at a church planting forum with church planters and they got on the whole issue of families and wives and church planting and whatever. And the reality is church planting is tough. Some of you have been involved in it and it's time consuming and whatever. But, you know, I just said to them, you know, the best bit of advice I can give you is just take them on the journey with you. Just make it an adventure. Speak well of the church, love the church. It's all we sought to do with the kids. They loved going to Mansfield on a Sunday night because they knew they were going to get a McDonald's on the way back. Anybody with me? And if they were really lucky, like Isaac, he'd get a Chinese. Oh, yeah, baby. Make it the adventure. Make them part of it. You see, one of my greatest fears as a parent is that I would raise moral kids, obedient kids, who aren't thirsty for the gospel. You know, so we can raise obedient, moral kids, but they're not thirsty for the gospel. I want something of my life. I'm just being honest with you. Is this okay? I just want something of my life. And that's why you're going to get me dripping with sweat. That's why you're going to get me shouting. Everybody keeps telling me to stop shouting and getting so passionate. I'm trying to just turn it down for my voice. I can't help myself. It's not fixed. It's not made. It's just what I, I just love Jesus. I love this church. I love what we're about. It's not perfect. I'm not perfect. But I know God's at work amongst us. I know he wants to do amazing things. I know he wants to do great things in our kids and in our grandkids and in our families. But what is that worth if we haven't raised kids that love Jesus? <laughs> and the last thing, sorry, so within our time, I need to move quickly. Generosity with our time. Generosity with our encouragement. One of the things that I've always wanted to do is build up. And this is a phrase that I have coined. I haven't heard it from anybody else. I did it through the Hope Is Here series. But I don't want to hype us up. I want to hope us up. Have you got it? I don't want to hype us up, but I do want to hope us up. Because we're full of hope. Well, f- about six of you are full of hope. We're full of hope. We, we, carry, we hope carriers. There's hope in our heart. Even the, on the worst days, we still have hope in our heart. <laughs> Jesus is with us. He loves us. He died for us. We know him. I don't need to hype you up. That's why I'd really do. You're just getting it on. We, we shouldn't have to be. Come on, guys. We should be really. Now, however we worship. But come on, let's worship God with all of our hearts. We don't need to be hyped up. We need to be hoped up. And I always want to encourage people. I really do. I know at times I haven't. I may not have encouraged you at times. And if that is the case, I'm sorry about that. Because it's always been my heart to be an encourager. Even when you have to say difficult things to be an encourager. And it goes back to reading the scriptures at 1920 on this year out Bible college and going and planting church. And as of course, I was inspired by a man, man by the name of Arthur Hibbert who spoke to us about the book of Acts and reading about the Apostle Paul. And I was just inspired by it, by this great, almighty church planter extraordinaire. And thinking I'd love to be a Paul, I'd love to go, making my ambition to preach the gospel where nobody ever has been before and all the rest of it. And I remember this distinctly happening. And then one of my team members came up to me one time on a prayer time and they said, Christian, 
We really, I really believe I've got a word for you. I said, okay, bring it on. Yeah, you, you, you're a Barnabas. You're a son of encouragement. And when she gave me that word, my, my heart sank. I thought, I don't want to be a Barnabas. I want to be a Paul. <laughs> Give me this Barnabas malarkey. He fell out with Paul. What did he do afterwards? What's all that about? You don't hear from him again. But that word has settled in my spirit. That, and why do I say Barnabas? Because the Bible records he was son of encouragement. May we all carry from this church a Barnabas spirit. May we encourage people. I'm not talking about being sickly, telling somebody they look lovely when they look flipping awful. I mean, come on, let's not go down that route. Or in this food, wonderful and it's horrible. I mean, I'm not talking about lying. <laughs> Except if you talk to me and say, oh, you look lovely in that shirt and jeans, then I'll, I'll go for that. I'm talking about encouraging one another. I want to leave people better than I found them. And I think that's how you can leave a legacy, by encouragement. Let me get back to it. We, we want to be generous. We want to be generous with our time. We want to be encourage, uh, generous with our encouragement. Proverbs 11, verse 25. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will themselves be Refreshed. Even when sometimes it doesn't make sense. I'll never forget Josh coming to see me when he was launching off with TMP. I don't know whether you can remember this, but I remember in my cupboard downstairs and he'd got this thing. And on it, I think he said, we're going to have a thousand people. Can you remember it? We're gonna have a th- he's putting his cap now down. I'm not doing it to him back. And we're going to have a thousand people in a year, didn't you? That's what he said to me. And I looked at him and in my heart of hearts, I thought, you are flipping dreaming, boy. You, you are as daft as you look, okay? But uh, no, I, I'm joking. And, but what did I, I said, well, can you remember? I said, well, mate, that's a big ask. We've got to go some to get there. But if you want to put it out, then I'm with you. Now, you might say that was a bit foolish and stupid. No, what I didn't want to do is discourage a lad. Because actually, as a result of that, something was fueling, bubbling in his heart. And now we're actually breaking through the 100 mark with young people. God's doing something great in Mansfield and Elkiston. We've got loads and loads of, you know, 18s to 30s around. We didn't have that many. God's at work. What I'm talking about is I could have easily discouraged him and said, you are dreaming. What are you, you been smoking something or are you on something or what are you on with? But I didn't do any of that. I just said, Josh, let's, let's believe together. Let's, I, I, I knew it was a, a tall order, but I wanted to speak. My point is words of life. Some people may come to you and say some stupid things. You've got to give some direction at times. I understand that. Again, I'm not talking about being stupid. But may, may we be people who speak, we can, you can, rather than you can't. May the mantra of this church be, you can, not you can't. Yes? Because we want to encourage people, speak words of life. And the third thing is, in our finances, in our money, with our generosity. Let me just say this. John Wesley left a few coins in his well-worn minister's cloak, hundreds of books, and the Methodist church. By the way, that was on fire. And millions of pounds had passed through his hands. We have to be very careful that we're not just hoarding money just for the sake of what? For a rainy day? We, of course, we need to be sensible with our finances. We really do. 
But if we've got more than we need, why don't you invest in kingdom purposes? And I'm not talking about arena. Go and invest in. We can point you to some great, great things that are happening across the world. I was with a group of guys today that were talking about what is happening in Ethiopia. I mean, literally, and Iran at the moment is seeing more Muslims come to faith. It's remarkable. They cannot keep pace with it. We heard something last week in the conference about you know Muslims seeing um, uh, having visions and dreams of Jesus. This was happening again in, in in Iran. They can't keep you know the man. They don't know what to do with it because as soon as they've seen Jesus, that's it. And I'm not talking about a few. I'm talking literally thousands, thousands, thousands. So, you know, we don't want to be hoarding loads and loads of money, stashing it away in a bank if we've got enough to work on. We need to get it to kingdom purposes. And this is what John Wesley said, do all the good you can by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. I think this guy really got it together in the area of leaving a legacy with regards to his finances. Very quickly, thirdly, we're not just there to do that with, you know, our, uh, you know the, the prayer and generosity, but also with our character. Character is how you treat people who can do nothing for you. I am getting the opportunity at the moment. This is no boast. It's not, I'm not trying to sound conceited, but it's, it's wonderful. God is being very gracious in terms of opening up opportunities for me to converse and meet with some pretty impressive people. But the true test is how I converse with a child. How do I converse with that devastated young person that's confused? How do I converse? How do I love that broken, damaged person who has nothing to give me? That is the true test of my character. And this is a legacy because this is what happens. People begin to see it. They sniff it. They tell when it's real and authentic. And if I'm different around, you know, the big boys and then I haven't got any time For anybody who we consider to be lower boys, may God help us. John Maxwell said, talent is a gift, but character is a choice. So this means how do I speak? How do I act? How do I react? How do I love? How do I forgive? And all my family are here now, and I'd love to say to you that you are looking at the perfect man. You are not. I don't react as I want to. I don't love as deeply as I should. I don't forgive as quickly. As I need to. And I don't think any of us are really where we want to be. But I want to tell you, I want God to keep doing a work in me. I'm not a pig. But I'm just, God's doing a work in me. And I want that character to just speak to you and my family and those that I come into contact with. It talks about in Galatians 5. We haven't got time for this. You'll have to read it for yourself in the message. But it does talk about in the NIV and talks about the fruit of the Spirit being love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the characteristics that I'm talking about. I'd love, Stephen was praying this evening about us having unity. This is one of the hallmarks. Great character. We'll leave a legacy of love. We'll leave a legacy of patience. We'll leave a legacy, it's not in the list of tenacity. We'll leave a, a, a legacy of stubbornness in prayer. We're not going to let go. We leave a legacy, a quality, a great God-honoring qualities of characteristics that we want to leave, that we want to deposit, that we want to flow over people's lives. I don't say this is a boast and I've not asked for, for permission 
So, Anna, you're going to have to kill me at the end, okay? And so is Isaac. But whilst I was away in Scotland, and it's not to say that Lilia and, and Eleanor didn't think this either, but they, they just came back to me, and I, as I normally do, would send them a message and just say, I love you and miss you, and I'd just be good for your mom and all the rest of it. Because I'm not away that much in terms of days. Annie came back to me, she said, and I often would say to them, you know, you're wonderful, you're beautiful, beautiful you're pretty, to the girls, you're precious, I love you, your dad loves you. To Isaac, I'll say, you're a champion. Because he don't need to say, here, you're pretty and beautiful and all the rest of it, does he? I mean, come on. He knows that. Yeah, he is a bit of a pretty boy, aren't you, son, eh? He says, well, Annie came back to me. So I'm sorry, Annie, for embarrassing you, but I'm now there, so there's no way back. She wrote to me, Dad, I love you very much. I'm proud of all you do for us. Thank you for being the dad that not many, not many people have. Love you, Annie. And Isaac wrote to me and his mum. I don't know why he was saying to his mum, because he had his mum with, with him. <laughs> why did you do that? <laughs> what was all that about? <laughs> to my favourite people in the world, thank you for being the greatest people and in my future, I want to serve God just like you too. Thank you for being my parents. I, don't, I really don't say that to get a sympathy. I'm just saying, and we don't get it right. Or Please, we really do not get it right all the time. But I'm talking about laying something of character. Whoever we, whether if you haven't got kids, just laying character in your work. So there's just everything about you says something about you, and you just, you know, what you say is what you mean. Your word is your bond. All those kind of things. And lastly, hard work. We can't get away from it. Some people just want to pray about it. We need to pray, but we also need to work hard. Some of you, I appreciate many people around Arena Church. It's one of the great quality characteristics that many of you, and I'm eyeballing some of you, know that you bring. You are grafters. You work hard. So this is, you're already doing this. But this leaves a legacy. The Bible says all hard work brings a profit. But mere talk leads to poverty. You know, nothing worth having ever comes easy. There's an equation that I have that we have to pray plus work equals advancement or progress. And I believe that to be the case. And the Bible says faith without works is what? dead you see you can pray about it but if you're not willing to pull your sleeves up and work at it i'm not convinced it's necessarily going to work for you in the same way sometimes you can work like stink and not get very not get very far we need prayer and work and this is why i want to encourage you keep encouraging you to tuesday mornings keep coming to tuesday you know it first tuesdays keep in your own personal times praying and keep working hard because if we're going to see god do something amazing we need to work hard And we also need to pray. That means sacrifice. That means the cost of it. That means there'll be times when we'll ask you to do things that you say, ah, do I have to? And we're just needing to get something over the line. Serve day is a classic. It's the 15th of July. 15th of July. Literally, we need everybody in. We need everybody in to help. We're not going to have the impact that we need over both locations if we all don't sign in. If we all don't get involved, you can pray all you want. 
And we need people to pray, but we also need to be working. Can, you, can I hear an amen? I'm nearly done. You'll be glad to know I'm nearly done. But, but we need to work hard. You know, some people want it to happen. Some people wish it could happen. And some people make it happen. And Michael Jordan said this, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And there's some sportsmen here who have played against more talented footballers, golfers, you know, whatever your sport is, but they're a bit lazy. So guess what? You beat them, even though they were more talented than you, because you worked harder. And that's what God does. So I'm talking about instilling a legacy of working hard, a legacy of character, a legacy of generosity, and a legacy of prayer. Where do we leave this legacy? We leave it in people. We leave it with people who we are connected with, people in our worlds, people in our workplace. And all I simply want to say is this, may God help us. Because this is what I'm in for, I'm in for a legacy. I'm not so, so fussed about an inheritance now. I'm really not. I've, I've dealt with all that. So John and Sandy are here and, you know, I'm part of it. You, you can go and flitter it away all you want, guys. Seriously. Chris might not be so, be so happy, but anyway. But, you know, because you've left it. You've left it. You've left a legacy in me. You've left something in me that's good enough. Yeah? And I'm not excusing bad financial practice and spending your money or I will get in a lot of trouble. You hear my heart. It's about people. Why don't we stand to our feet? I'm going to pray and we're going to finish with a great song.